0: Well good morning church family. I want to welcome you uh, to worship this morning. Glad that you could join us. Before we do, uh, turn our hearts towards the Word of God this morning and see what God has for us. As you know, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, And just for a moment, I realize that Memorial Day is uh, a remembrance of those who gave their, their all. the the ultimate sacrifice in protection of what our country stands for. But I want to have all of our our veterans, anyone who has served in uh, in the armed forces, to please stand right now. Uh, Because as you look around this sanctuary, they may have friends that that were killed in the line of duty that did not come home. And we are thankful for your service, and we're thankful for those who gave their lives. And so God bless you, and thank you for serving uh, our country. All right, well, before we uh, open up the Word of God this morning, let's go ahead and just bow for a a, a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day, and Lord, as we have joined together, uh, even under um, difficult circumstances, Lord, we are thankful for the freedom to gather, uh, for the freedom to worship you, uh, to not be persecuted because of our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, And we ask, as we open up your Word today, which we know is timeless and true, Uh, that uh, will always uh, speak to that which has been, that which is, and that which is yet to come. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for it, that we have it in our language to read and to to personalize and to apply. And Lord, we know that today is is no exception uh, as we open it up uh, to share it together. We ask that your spirit would just work in each and every heart here today and that you would be glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6. You know, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and as I've said before, that in the years of pastoring, uh, the the Word of God, as I expositorily preach through sections, um, will oftentimes uh, speak to things that are going on right now and here. Uh, And this is no exception, um, as we find ourselves in part two of a four-part series entitled Do Not Be Anxious. As you know, um, last time I shared with you that this section in the the book of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, actually speaks to eight reasons why we should never be anxious. Uh, And living in this current culture and where we find ourselves today, uh, this is something that I need to hear, this is something that you need to hear, and something that Jesus Christ realized that all those people that gathered on that mount on that day to sit down and listen to the greatest sermon ever preached as the Son of God uh, spoke um, from his heart and from the mind of God uh, to communicate these things that he gave eight reasons why we should never be anxious so that we would understand and be able to embrace the freedom that can come in remembering who our God is. Uh, And that is really where the rubber meets the road, because any time that we find ourselves being anxious, we have forgotten some aspect, some truth pertaining to God. And so Jesus wanted to remind not only those there, but us today of those same things, because the world, yes, may be a few thousand years older, but nothing has changed. And Solomon saw that and, and gave testimony to that as well, that there's nothing new under the sun. Well, last time we took a look at the first one in verse 25, we found out that the first reason to not be anxious is because God, who is our master, most assuredly provides. Uh, a lot of times, what we find ourselves being anxious over are things outside of our control, things that we cannot see how God's going to supply a particular need. And so, therefore, we oftentimes will become anxious, we'll begin to fret, we'll begin to maybe look to others or act out in some way because we just cannot see how things are going to work. And as we found out last time, we have to remember that God is our master because what Jesus' point here was in verse 25 was when we worry, we miss the fact that our God always provides. And we took a look at the name Jehovah-Jireh, our Lord will provide as a reason for us to not worry. And then we took a look at the second thing last time. Uh, Do not be anxious because God values you, in verse 26. Uh, and this stems out of the fact that, that we are more valuable than all of creation. Because we have been bought and paid for, we belong to the Lord because of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' point here says, is that when we worry, we hold our, uh, in low esteem our value. We forget who we are, that we are sons and daughters of God that we are sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if we forget that, then we will be prone to become anxious and to worry about things that we should never worry about uh, because our God uh, will provide and our God knows who we are. He does not forget us. Which brings us to the, the next couple of points we're going to take a look at this week, which is points 3, 4, and 5 as we take a look at verses 27 through 32a. And so the, the next thing I want to share with you, uh, what Jesus was pointing out in this text, comes out of verse 27, which I'll read to you now. It says, And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Has anyone added a single hour to their span of life by being anxious over something? The answer to that question is absolutely not, and we're going to find out why. We're going to find out that we should not be anxious because anxiety is counterproductive. Uh, It does not help in any way, shape, or form. If anything, it cripples us. And as we found out last time, remember, what does anxiety really mean? It means to rip apart. And that's exactly what happens when we become anxious. Jesus' point here is when we worry, we forget that God controls all life. Uh, Tracy even prayed that this morning in in relation to the fact that God is sovereign, that everything exists because of God's sustaining power uh, in the world even today, as it has always been. But just as it is counterproductive to think that we can store up treasures in heaven and earth at the same time, just as it's counterproductive to think that we can take our eyes and and allow both light and darkness in at the same time. And just as counterproductive as it is to think that we can serve two masters at the same time is exactly what it is like when we become anxious and forget that God controls all of life. You know, it is counterproductive to think that worrying or being torn in two can ever possibly be of benefit for our life. Matter of fact, Many of you know the name um, or the, the, the actual clinic, the Mayo Clinic. Dr. Charles Mayo, who was the one who founded this clinic, listened to what he wrote in relation to worry and worrying to death. He says, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. I have never met a man or woman, uh, or I have never met a man or known a man to die of overwork. But I have known a lot who died of worry. So when we worry, not only are we forgetting some aspect of who God is and who we are before that God as His children, the thing is, it has an adverse effect even on our physiology. I can speak to that. You know, we talk about anxiety and, and fretting. You know, another one of those things that kind of pulls in there is stress. And I know what it's like to have stress. Because I'm worrying about trying to figure out how everything is going to work out and its good time to have it do adverse things to the human body. So as Jesus is saying is, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life has not only forgotten that God is the one that controls life. But what happens is, is that we end up subjecting ourselves to things that we should not. And it has an effect. You have to understand that. You have to see that. But as we think about life itself, man has been searching for ways to lengthen his life. You know, um, we go and have physicals. And, you know, I'm approaching an age where I'm supposed to start getting physicals that I've never had before. I'm not looking forward to it at all. But the the truth is, is that we, we, we go to doctors to see, you know, you know, what's going on with our body to make sure that we're not, we don't have something that is going to be detrimental to us. Um, we, we go to places to, to exercise our bodies, to keep them in the very best physical condition. God has made our bodies to, to be able to even battle viruses where we can actually gain immunity because there are good germs. Uh, and he, he's done so for the purpose of us not having to worry over things that are outside of our control, and, and trying to think that in some way, shape, or form, we're going to add even a moment to our span of life. Uh, we, you know, we do it through diet, through exercise, through going to the doctor, and some even uh, have gone to the extent of looking for the fountain of youth, and that's why the fountain's there in the center of all those graphics. He is, he's trying to find some way to add to his life. But the truth is, and what we need to remember as we go back to the Word of God, is that God knows our days, and they are numbered. I don't know how many days God has given to you no more than I know how many days God has given to me. But in the meantime, I'm not going to allow anxious thoughts or fretting or worrying over something that is in the hands of Almighty God to cause concern for me. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 139, 16. He says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were, how many? None of them. So God knows how long I'm going to live because he is the sustainer of life. And he has assessed and said, this is how long Bill Diggins will survive in this body. And there's nothing I can do to change that. We can go to the book of Job, chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 and verse 5 where it says, man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. Did you hear that? We cannot pass the limit that God has put on our life because he is the one who sustains it. And once he ceases sustaining my life, Guess what? Life stops. And the thing is, is why should I worry over things that I think may or may not end up adding a moment to my life? Now, I'm not advocating that we don't take care of ourselves. So hear me for all those people that are in the health industry that are thinking, well, Pastor Bill's saying, don't worry about yourself. Well, I am saying, don't worry about yourself. But what I am telling you is that if we have the, the opportunity to see and to remember our God who gives us each and every day, that is going to help us to not fret over what we should not. It's good for you to exercise. It's good for you to eat good. It's good for you to go to the doctor to get checkups. It's not good to look for the fountain of youth because it doesn't exist. Because our days are numbered. Job also, uh, in chapter 12, verse 10, says, In his hand is the life of every living being and the breath of all mankind. So there is the, the long and the short of it. God knows our days, and when we think or we begin to worry, we forget that God controls all of life. Well, Jesus goes on as we take a look at the fourth reason why we should not be anxious. Uh, And this is a a reason we shouldn't be anxious, because we are God's eternal children. Uh, Take a look at verses 28, 29, and 30 there in Matthew chapter 6. It says, "'And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these.'" But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So what is Jesus' point here in these these few verses? Well, his point is is that when we worry, we overlook the fact that we are eternal beings. And what Jesus utilizes here is two examples of things that have a very short lifespan one is the lilies of the field and think about a lily in the field okay they they do not pick out their color they don't pick out their shape their size or their existence it is god that adorns them with this the beautiful color that when you look at them it just captures your eye and it just it, it gives you the opportunity to say wow that's not an accident there is a grand design behind this because this is not something that just happened Randomly, but instead, God is adorned with brilliant color, with astonishing detail, and vibrant life. But you'll notice that he, he compares it to, to, to King Solomon, because it says, Not even Solomon in all of his glory was displayed like one of these. So, wait a minute, you're trying to tell me that everything that, that characterized who Solomon was and how rich he was, how wise he was, that lily of the field is of greater glory than Solomon himself. Listen to what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. After Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom to rule over the people of Israel, the one that God made him king over, he says, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the king's and who were before you, and none after you shall have the like. So in other words, Solomon was blessed by God in ways that no other human being would ever be blessed. But yet here's Jesus as he's, he's thinking about this example of the lily of the valley. He's saying, yet I tell you, as you take a look at the lily of the valley, how they neither toil nor spin, that not even Solomon in all of that glory, all of those riches, all of those possessions, all of that honor, all of the, the ability to, to interact with God's people does not even come close to comparison to what God does when he looks over uh, the, the lily of the field. Then he gives another example of, of the grass of the field. And it says in verse 30, but if God so clothes the gr- grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. So here we have something that's alive today and gone tomorrow. Okay, I mean, we, we know what Grass of the field looks like. We're surrounded by it, and the thing is is that it, it grows for a season and then it dies and it's done, And even here it talks about throwing it into ovens. So basically it's, its purpose is for bur- bur- being burnt up. What uh, God does in, in supplying everything that that blanket of green grass needs in order to thrive and to grow. And here we are as those who are eternal children, those who belong to God because of Jesus Christ are worrying about what clothes we wear or worrying about whatever we want to put into there. And he says, how much more clothe you, owe you, of little faith. These are pretty sobering words. And Jesus is not you know, withholding anything here as he's talking to this group. He's saying, basically, if you're fretting over these things, then you have very little faith. And what I'm here to tell you is, is don't doubt God's provision and needlessly worry. Instead, trust him and trust him because God values you. Going back to point number two, listen to what Spurgeon said. He says, little faith is not a little fault for it greatly wrongs the Lord and sadly grieves the fretful mind. To think that the Lord who clothes the lilies will leave His own children naked is shameful. O oh, little faith, learn better manners. Now, maybe see a little bit, you know, crass uh, in His is assessing this, but that's exactly how it is when we forget God and what He does to provide for us. And think about it. Even take the, the physical things that we're talking about here and, and, and being anxious and fretting over this and, and switch it over to the spiritual for a moment. Think about what Christ has done for you. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sakes he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, if if God began that work in us, do you think he's just going to throw it into a waste can? Do you think he's just going to turn his back and walk away? Well, the answer to those questions is absolutely not. Matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. See, the thing is, is we need to remember who we are, that we have value because of Christ in us, because we are created in the image of God, that we no longer serve self, but we belong to the eternal God and we'll be spending eternity with him. John 17, verses 1 through 3 says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, So Jesus has authority over all flesh because he knows their days, they're numbered. To give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you are the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, we need to not forget that we are eternal beings. And so fretting over things that are not eternal, worrying over things that are not eternal, has a negative effect. And what we need to do is guard ourselves against that. Don't be anxious because you are God's eternal child. And finally, the fifth point that we're going to finish with this morning comes out of verses 31 through 32a. Let me read that. It says, therefore, so since everything we've spoken about is in place, this is what, what you should do in response to that. Guess what? Do not be anxious. It's right there in the text again. Do you think Jesus knows us well? Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. So the fifth thing in these verses that Jesus points out is the fact that we should not be anxious because anxiety is of this world. It is not of God's kingdom. It is not of his world because God is is the one who is the giver of all good gifts, the one who takes care of everything uh, in the way that he does that is consistent with his character. So Jesus's point here is is that when we worry, we are no different than the world around us. And I've seen some of this, you know, even playing out a little bit in what we're we're facing here. Now, is it it wrong to be concerned about everything that's going on right now in our country and around the world? Absolutely not. But the thing is, is when we cross over that line to the point where we allow ourselves the, the permission to go to places we should not, then we've crossed the line that we should not have. And the thing is, is that if we are all wound up, if we're all fretting, if we're all worried, if we're all full of anxiety, and that's exactly what characterizes the world, because anxiety is of this world, then we're no different than the world. See, therefore, do not be anxious because we are God's eternal children. We need to remember that. We should handle things differently than the rest of the world. We should not look the same. Now, is it easier to look the same? Yes, it is. But what Jesus is saying is, do not be anxious. This is not an option. This is a command. Do not be anxious. Because being anxious characterizes the world. God wants us to enjoy the freedom that comes from not fretting over these basic things, life, eating, drinking, clothing, because that's what the unbelieving world does. That's what defines them. That's how they they live their lives, worrying over this, that, and the other. When we are those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who is the eternal Son of God, who is all-powerful, almighty, sovereign, in control of all things. And we should never forget that, because he never forgets us. See, the world's hope, people devoid of God, is in what they can enjoy right now. And the thing is, is, if we remember we're eternal beings, then that should affect how we live in the here and now. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a what? living hope. So that hope should dictate how I engage the world around me. I should be able to trust God, because not only does my eternal life rest in Him, the one who is going to keep it and bring me home eventually, but even my existence here on the planet Earth is in His hands. And I should never fret or worry over what is outside of my knowledge, what is outside of my control. Instead, I should trust the one to whom I owe my all. That hope that the world has is held captive by a beast called anxiety. And I use the word beast because it's exactly how anxiety works. It is a beast. It rips you apart. And it robs the world of seeing anything beyond the present moment. And let me close by sharing um, this verse out of Philippians chapter uh, 4, actually verses 6 and 7. Because this is the, the, the piece I want you to take home with you today. As we consider the fact that we shouldn't be anxious because it's counterproductive, to not be anxious because we are God's eternal children, and not to be anxious because anxieties of this world, is to remember the peace that we have in Jesus Christ. So that peace speaks to all the worry of the world. Because I don't have to worry about anything anymore, it doesn't mean it doesn't do me any good anyway. And if I want to believe Doctor Mayo, it has adverse effects. It says, "Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God." And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, everything up here that tells me I need to be anxious about this because I don't know how it's going to turn out and I I just don't know how it's going to work. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So God has given us exactly what we need in order to face every potential scenario that this world can delve out. Do you believe that? then we need to live like it. And I know it's hard. And I'm not preaching to just you. I'm, I'm, as I'm, I'm preaching this sermon, I'm preaching to myself because I can get anxious. I can fret. I can worry. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. No, don't ask my wife. Don't ask my kids. But it's part of being human when we take our focus off of God because that is a world devoid of God. Is in a world full of anxiousness, full of worry, no hope without peace. And we are so much more different than that because we are God's eternal children, because we have value because of the, our Savior Jesus Christ, who has clothed us not only in a righteousness for all of eternity, but has given us the ability to be freed from worrying about even the most common things in life, Because guess what? He takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of the grass of the field. Remember last week, he takes care of the birds of the air. And we're so much more valuable than they. So do not be anxious, but instead trust the Lord. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text today. Uh, I thank you for... Myself personally, um, I need to be reminded of this each and every day because there's so many things that come into my mind that if left unchecked by you will lead me down paths that I know will cause me to worry, to be anxious, to fret, to begin to complain, to be stressed. Uh, And Lord, I think we can all identify with that. Uh, And so, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would empower us to have victory over this, to empower us to remember who we are, to remember that being anxious is counterproductive, to remember that we belong to you, that we are eternal children, uh, and that we should not be anxious because that's what the world is like, and we are no longer part of this world. We live in it, but we're not of it. And Lord, we ask for that victory this week, even today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.